you're listening to Dear Alice, a lifestyle approach to interior design. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dear Alice. Today, this is a really special uh, sort of anniversary edition for us. If you can believe it, we've been at this for 52 weeks, which equals a year. I thought you were going to say 52 years. I'm like, Jess, no, it's 12 years. 12 years. <laughs> 12, 12 years, guys. 12 years we've been well, in business. It's and a dual, yeah, dual anniversary. Dual anniversary. Yes. Dueling banjos, yes. I guess. Like <laughs> just like Just like dueling banjos, it's we're celebrating a one-year podcast anniversary and also that we've been in business for 12 years. And we thought in this podcast it'd be super fun to sort of break down and take you on like a memory lane, uh, memory like evolution of Alice Lane and just kind of talk about what we've learned over the past 12 years as we've sort of, we've kind of been in this like reflection moment. I feel like in the design center and our meetings and in our different, different parts of the business as we sit and meet, we kind of are like, wow, what have we learned in 12 years? And we thought this would be great to share it with you on the podcast because there's just so much there. It's it's so rich. We've made plenty of mistakes and learned from those things, and we'll continue to do that. But where we were 12 years ago versus where we are today is a really fun story and something to, to talk about. So we want to do that today. But first, I wanted to say thank you to all of you for listening. It is such a thrill to, um, to kind of understand how many of you are out there and um, how we're ranking. Yeah, we um, have had 300,000 downloads. <laughs> 300,000? That's insane. Yeah. That's a lot of yeah. people, right? Yeah, it's crazy. And number six in the design category in Apple Podcasts. So wow. It's amazing. Okay. Yeah. We're at the top of the charts. Yeah. Oh <laughs> my gosh, you guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening and tuning in and sharing this journey with us. And if you obviously have any ideas for future podcasts, we always love to hear from you. And so you can, um, you can write to us at dearalice at alicelanehome.com. And um, ask us questions there. Give us any podcast ideas. Um, you can always DM those to us as well. But um, yeah, we want to continue to answer your questions. We're doing this for you. So thank yeah. you for your support. And in, in saying thank you, we also wanted to just give those of you listening um, a little secret discount that's not going to be anywhere online. But I'm going to tell you to type it in at the end um, once you fill up your carts and you're going to get 25% off. Um, of any of the Alice Lane exclusive collection. These are the products that we're creating and curating on our own. And um, we just wanted to give you 25% off those. So um, you can look under that collection. It's called Alice Lane exclusive collection. It's only online and your discount code is going to be 12 years. And it's not, you don't, don't spell out the word 12, just use the numbers. So one, two years you'll get 25% off. So thanks, everybody. Uh, get yourself something really nice. <laughs> okay, with that, let's jump into memory lane, the evolution. Uh, so the first thing we wanted to talk about was um, opening a store. We, um, we used to live on a street called Alice Lane, my husband and I. People are sometimes curious about this. So Many of you may already know this detail. Some may not. Some may think my name is Alice and my husband's name is Lane. And that's uh, not, the, not the case. This is um, a little sort of, um, it's kind of a bedroom, bedroom town here in uh, just north of Salt Lake City called Farmington, Utah. And up on the East Bench, there was a street called Alice Lane. And Alice is, I believe if I get this right, she was the daughter of 
um, a man who owned all these apple orchards that were up on the hill. And when they sold off the orchards, they named um, the streets after their children. So there's like Richard's Way, Alice Lane. Cute. Yeah. So we lived on the street called Alice Lane and loved it there so much. And I kind of started my design journey there in building the home and thought this was our ever after home. Loved the neighborhood. I never cared if I ever moved again because the people were so great. I really, really loved our little house that we built and felt like we could be there forever. And then we had this dream to, not a literal dream, but a dream to open our own store after living there for seven years and feeling like there was more out there than I could find that was available in Utah as far as furniture goes. And I'd started doing design projects, oddly enough, in the commercial space um, of of interior design. I was doing a big corporate headquarter building for a software company, um, always looking for stuff for my home and then helping friends and neighbors as they came to me. And I was like, there's all this great stuff available in books and magazines. And there's no shops here in Salt Lake City or or anywhere around. And at the time, decor was really heavy. Do you guys remember like this real European movement with Tuscan furniture and heavy wrought iron and all the curly um, iron railings on staircases? This was that era. Go back to 2008. So um, we wanted to do something that was fresher, more transitional. And so we said, well, let's go to market and figure out if there's this stuff out there that I'm seeing in magazines. And sure enough, we found it and we wanted to start a store and we had an investor that said, I'll match your investment. And we knew all the money we had was tied up in this house, our greatest investment. Um, And we were almost done paying off this house and we were so proud of ourselves for doing that. And so we were like, gosh, we could really cash in and have, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to put toward this store. So that's what we did. We sold the dream um, to do our other dream and we decided to name the store after our old street or what was home to me. And that was important at the time because I was feeling a little bit insecure and nervous about this huge decision financially. Um, And whatever I saw on the lease papers, I'm signing this lease for 10 years. And at the top of it, it said Alice Lane. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be fine. I'm home. This feels like home to me. So it's just been a comforting thing along the way as we made these big decisions. And um, I don't know, it's kind of been like our team stripes, I feel like, for Suzanne and I in the Design Center, that it doesn't like have my name on it, um, that all of us can sort of share in this sort of team spirit of Alice Lane. Yeah, and everybody knows Jess is actually quite shy. (laughs) Yeah. she, She always said she would never put her name on it, but she really was... I feel like a pioneer. It's it's interesting because her background is in advertising, mm-hmm. right? Um, she worked at ad, ad agencies as creative directors and mm-hmm. and whatnot. But she she saw the same principles and elements from her industry as interior design, and she obviously was hooked. And I think it always takes somebody coming out from a different industry to revolutionize it. You know, to just like see it from a different perspective and change it. And so when I found Jess just a few months after she opened. Um, it was something I hadn't seen. I hadn't seen in the marketplace. And mind you, this was like end of 2008. I met Jess in December. You opened in, or you opened in September. Mm-hmm. I met you in December. And obviously the economy was about to take a big turn, right? Yeah. And so like me, the idea of a design place starting with a retail store that also does interior design, it just wasn't happening. Most of the time, anybody that I worked for, any other firms, they started as a firm and then they might like dapper and like have like a little boutique shop 
you know, or something like that. But there wasn't any, and I still don't know of any other firms that started like with a retail front, a retail face um, for people to come in and for us to kind of play with furniture and do all the things and learn how to style and accessorize and what, and what beauty comes from that is that last layer. Um, you don't learn that in school. And so I really saw this, like, obviously I fell in love with Jess and Adam. They were, you know, there was a very like small staff of them (laughs) when I joined in. And anyway, and it just like, it taught me something that school never could. And that was art of styling, the art of lifestyle, the art of working with people, which I'm, I'm a people person. Jess is a people person. Mm -hmm. And we always say, you know, this is a people business. We just happen to be good at design. Yeah. And so this ability to be able to, you know, when we open the doors at 10 to seven, we'd be in the retail shop trying to gather business, help people with our projects and things. And when we lock the doors at seven, that's when we would start design to design Mm -hmm. for these other projects that we were working on. So it was a hustle. Yeah. Like it was a real hustle, you know, for those first couple (laughs) of years, years before we had like actual offices (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) anyway, but but it's such a cool history to just kind of like look back on and be like, wow, we built this. Yeah. Like we built something really, really incredible. And it all started, um, I think just with Jess Bennett, because again, there was no real transitional design places in Utah. Like, especially like from in the, when I was in school, nobody ever dreamed of working in Utah. Mm-hmm. Like students, like we all had internships. Like I went to Scotland, people would go to New York, people would go to LA. Like you always want to get out of Utah because it was so stale. Yeah. The market was dry and it was just all filled with Tuscan garbage. And anyway, you always want to get out, but I hear more often than not, like from our clients, like what is going on in Utah? What's in the water? What's with all the design? I feel like everybody there is a brilliant designer and there's just so much coming out of it. And uh, I really like, I truly 100% feel that Allison was a pioneer in this movement um, because we've seen a lot of other pay- firms, shops hop up, you know, little me too's every now and again, but um, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing that a style can just be introduced by one person that just sees a, a spot in the market that's not being represented. So, and cool that we get to work at like that we started as a retail store and we got to play, it's a, a laboratory mm-hmm. and we got to play with furniture and like see what arms worked with, you know, different heights of tables. And I kind of learned those mistakes that if you didn't have the opportunity to really work with the frames, you would make those mistakes in clients home and it would be expensive. Oh my gosh. It'd I can't even expensive. imagine like waiting till install day to make sure these things look good together. You know, like we always, yeah, like Suzanne said, we often called the store the design laboratory and that gave us the permission to like take risks and try things together that shouldn't normally work that all of a sudden it was just like a, a yin and a yang and it was just like a beautiful compliment to itself. And we learned a lot. Like you said, you can't learn it in school. You just have to learn by taking the risks and where there's greater risk, there's greater reward often. And we learned so much about ourselves. And I think one of the greatest luxuries too is, is being able to work with people that are your same vibe or rhythm or complement, you know, each other. So getting to meet Sue so early on in this journey was just absolutely, um, I mean, I'm the luckiest girl on earth, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I really am. And and I think think (laughs) one thing that's really important to anybody that is in the design field or actually in any field is if you will hire people that are more talented than you, then that will raise, that will raise everybody. And we continue to do that, right? Like, 
We've hired a really incredible um, COO that really raised the tide at Alice Lane and then all the designers we bring on. We really want them to be better than us at something in some way or another. I watched... Um, you know, decorators that would maybe hire a neighbor or a girlfriend to sort of be their assistant. And they were only, they were the, always the smartest person in the room and they were only allowed to get as good as their own ideas. But when you hire people that have really incredible schooling, incredible taste levels, they have interesting experiences, then all of us get to raise to that level and we get to share in their experiences and not just have the experience of maybe, um, you know, having having just run your own household. So it's been really cool to um, work with such incredible designers over the years. So true. And I think anybody that has come and has even gone, they've left better than they when they came, which mm -hmm. I think any, any good business grows people. And I really do feel like we grow people, you know, and we, we'd love to keep them, but we realize, you know, that some people, they have a different growth trajectory, but in any regard, they leave better than when, when they came, which I think is really important. Yeah. And, and we're a, better a big, too. I think absolutely. we're better we're for all, it too. We're all made better. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So, so great. Um, so a couple lessons, I guess we could break down that, that we've learned. Um, one of them is the process of learning to be the expert um, on design and getting the confidence and the edge to be what people need you to be. Um, I find that in the beginning, and Sue and I are such agreeable people, and we really want to sort of stand out of the way, out of the way and really listen a lot. But at some point, at some point, you need to be the expert because of all that you've learned over the years, all the risks that you've taken. You really do know the answers, and people really want those from you. So, if you are a new budding designer listening to this, um, learn all the lessons you can, but make sure and share your expertise along the way because you've been hired to be the expert. Um, and people need, need that backbone from you. Like, don't be so agreeable that both of you settle on taupe. Yep. You know, that's kind of, it's kind of a bummer, right? Yeah. Like there's plenty of room for neutrals. Um, and I think that look is beautiful and it's had its place, but if you're really going to be an amazing designer, you're going to be able to do more than taupe. Yeah. I think we always, we tell people, even when they're a little bit nervous after a design pitch, like we tell them that that's our job. Our job is to make you a little bit nervous. Just a little bit uncomfortable because you wouldn't have thought kind of, of it. Nervous. Yeah. yeah. We don't want to do anything that you would have thought yourself because why would you hire a designer? Yeah. And it's like me putting on my own braces. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, so you go to a designer to get a new, a new perspective on you. Mm -hmm. Truly. And I think that's, that's what we do. And that's what you become expert. And that's when you're an expert um, in your field, you're also, you become, and you're curious about the people you're designing for. Yeah. You know, I think that that is what sets different spaces apart because they're different people. Yeah. And that's what it should feel like. Totally. And to that point, the more different people we meet, the richer our understanding becomes of all of the thousands of styles available yeah. because there's this rich tapestry of their history of where their people came from, of what they believe in, of how they celebrate, right? Like all of, think about all the different ways to celebrate a holiday. Like there's that many styles out there as well. 
you know? And so we need to pull that out of them and don't feel like if, let's say you're a person that wants to work with a designer, don't feel like you have to know what your style is. I think that is the work of an incredible designer. Who's also kind of a psychologist that we're going to study you as a human. We're going to ask you the right questions. We're going to see the way that you dress innately, not just, you know, if you're not a super dressy person, don't feel like you need to be super dressy for your designer because then they could interpret you wrong, right? Even if you're casual, there's still a way to be super, super gorgeous and be casual at the same time so that you're comfortable. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have a really fussy home and then try and live casually in it, you know? It's not true to you. Yeah. So um, I think that's um, that's something that is really important in finding a good designer or if you're a designer in in um, really getting a good read on your client to create authentic design for their lifestyle. There's no point in our opinion in hiring a designer that's going to stamp out the same exact thing in your home as your neighbor's home. Cause you're not the same. You don't live the same. You don't come from the same place, right? You don't celebrate the holidays the same. You can appreciate your neighbor's house. And oh, might yes. Be influenced by, by something there, but just again, try and understand you, you know, I was talking to my sister-in-law the other day and she, she does, has never hired a designer, but she was buying things that weren't, I didn't feel like were true to her. Mm-hmm. And I was, and I started asking her just some of the questions that I would normally ask a client. And she's just like, what do my clothes have to do? <laughs> what do my clothes have to do with like my house? I'm just like everything. You're just, it's what <laughs> you feel pretty. in. she's like, but I don't buy expensive clothes, but I'm like, but you still know what you feel pretty in. Mm-hmm. You still know what colors that you're drawn to. There's innate things that you know, and don't expect, like Jess said, don't expect for you to know everything there is to know about design. It's If it's not your industry, then how could you? But just like give your designer peaks into what you love, even if it's a picture, even nothing you own, but a picture that like does something for you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how you start to discover that. And that's something I think that has taken 12 years to like really understand that that's one of our missions, you know, is to do this and something that we preach um, because we've, we've learned that we've, we've probably have done things for people just as they wanted. And it wasn't as successful as when we really dove deep and tried to get to know the person to really extract something really unique and special. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. It's a blank canvas and we need to tell your story on that. Mm -hmm. So good. Another thing that we really believe in and um, we've learned to celebrate at Alice Lane over the years is that it's okay if we make mistakes because that is the greatest teacher or sometimes our failures. And we um, spend each Monday, we take a minute to talk about our failures in our design studio so that we can all learn from them collectively. And, and then we'll get schooled on it. And then we won't have to make those mistakes a second time. And it's a really, I think it's a really great practice. It's kind of like sitting down, you know, with your kids at dinner time to say, what's the best part of your day and the worst part of your day, you know? And then as a parent, then you can advise obviously on how to overcome the worst part. Um, It's kind of the same thing with design. There's always going to be like highs and lows and things that we can learn from it to make us all better that we can all share in. And um, I love, I love so much that part about our design center is the constant opportunities to learn and get better. It makes us vulnerable too. Like there's nothing, I think in other, other jobs, I may have been a little bit more apprehensive to be like people, you know, might dust things under the rug and every, you know, and that just is a, you know, a huge, huge mistake for everything, everybody, yeah. the client, 
nobody learns from it and you make the same mistake again, which is expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so I, th- I guarantee you, if you've made a mistake and you really, you'll never make it again. Totally. Especially when you're vocal about it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's great. Um, another thing that we've learned is that greatness comes from a mutual desire for greatness. Mm-hmm. We that's try good. as say that again. <laughs> greatness comes from the mutual desire for greatness. Um, we really, in our design center, we really, really want the very best outcome. And so as we're working with our different design teams, um, we have five different design teams in our design center. And, and as we start to collaborate with them, like one really good idea will come forward and then the, the next person can build on that great idea. And then they kind of riff that out. And then soon I come in and we add, oh, our experience to it and other great ideas. And pretty soon we're like five or six levels up from where we started. And that's the idea that we move forward with. And collaboration with great minds wanting to do something really great and editorial and really push it. And the client that's wanting something that is, that makes them a little bit nervous and excited in their heartbeat at the same time. is just like one of the most incredible, it's like a, probably like a drug. I don't know which one, yeah. cause I haven't done drugs, but I, this is our drug is like this desire for greatness. And you can't stop like, like again, design never sleeps. So we're often just like sending each other DMS yeah. in the middle of the night, just because we're just like, look at this, look at this. We should do this on this project or we should make this. There's nothing like this being made in, you know, yeah. anyway. So it never sleeps. But again, when you're around other people and it's not, it's not a competitive thing. Cause I think when we're around, you know, in a competition, you're always wanting to share your best self. But I think especially when you're in such a mutual group of people that are just trying to lift one another up, you can't help but like want to bring it to the table, mm-hmm. you know, and bring your best idea and to, and to be better than what you even were a second ago, which is why working as a team is so vital to like great design. And that's, I think when you start to really get, you know, recognized is because it's bigger than you, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, I love that. So good. Um, the next thing that I'd say that, um, that's been really, really cool in our business is repeat customers and like what a gift they've been. I, I heard once we were reading a book, I was reading a book and it said, it asked one of the designers, how do you, how do you keep your pipeline full as an interior designer? And she was like, oh, well, it's easy at this point because every seven years they come back and we do it again, um, which is an interesting thought to you. I don't know when you guys last decorated your homes, um, but if you could imagine like kind of doing a redecoration every seven years, like that's kind of how the trends flow and change. And maybe you're more like on a 10 year schedule where you kind of get tired of, of, you know, maybe your paint scheme inside or you need new carpet or Something like that, right? It, that it's just time to turn things over. But um, we've started to see this now that we've been around for 12 years. There's so many clients we worked with that they're calling again and we're like their hair girl, right? Like they're, we're their designers. So we get to see, we're doing a vacation home for them or we're doing their primary residence again, or um, they want to build a new house. They've moved. Uh, anyway, it's just like such a thrill to get to continue to work with the same great people again. And I think probably the biggest compliment is to get called on again by then. 100%. And what's even cooler is that as you go through that design evolution with a client, um, you see them change. And then when they come back for the next project, Mm -hmm. you see what they've been working on, what they've been drawn to and the art they've collected. And, and it's, it's even more fun for us because the design just improves 
all the more because they have more of an opinion. Yeah. And so we get to design for an opinionated person, which is always really exciting because that's so expressive because that expression goes on your walls. Yeah. So one of my favorite yeah. comments was um, we were designing a home for a client of ours, one of our all time favorites. She was a single um, executive and she, we started doing one home with her and she was like, this is so great. We shouldn't do that in this home. Let me buy a new home and we'll do it to that home. <laughs> and so, so we started in on the second home and, um, she lived like that for gosh, probably seven years or so. And then she got married and she wanted us to do a new home for her and her new family. And we were in the middle of the design of this third home for her. And we were proposing something and she said to us, do you think it's editorial enough? And we were like, "Girlfriend, <laughs> <laughs> snap. Like she was pushing us to even go bigger and better and faster and more than what we had, than what we had proposed. And it's so fun when your client wants it to be more editorial. I cannot think of better words. <laughs> no, and that's, I yeah. think that's the first, I think the first time that someone's ever said that, because yeah. usually we say we want. We'd rather have someone pull us back than push us forward. Yeah. We're usually trying to be, yeah. you know, be the editorial voice, but because we'd done so many houses and projects with her, she was just like, let's, let's go more. Let's, let's push on the gas. Yeah. So. She knew, she knew she was capable of more. She loves design. Like I feel like her fashion vernacular and um, just like her want for beautiful, extraordinary things had like quadrupled since the second time we had worked with her. And now all of a sudden this third home comes along and she's just like pedal to the metal and let's just go for it in design. And that's a project we haven't shot yet, but we're excited to uh, get to photograph. We're just waiting for a few last things to come in. But anyway, it's, it's incredible what can happen with the relationship that you've had in place and you know, it's possible. And you usually get to do even greater work. Yeah. And just so you guys as listeners know, whether you have a designer or, or you have someone that's really close to you, it often takes somebody else looking at you to tell you, give you a peek of what you are. Yeah. It sounds so cheesy, what you truly are. Yeah. Like Moana, but it's, I know, right? But it's so, it's so true. We've had clients that have walked into their homes and said, I didn't even know I was this cool, you know, and just like people are, they're fascinating. And that's why our jobs are so gratifying is because we really get to, you know, just dig and inspect and like find all the, you know, little diamonds um, in those clients and, and put them up. So, yeah, I I know it's going to sound kind of crazy to some of you listening, but design is so powerful. It really is. It is life altering getting to live in a space that is, uniquely designed just for you and the way that you live by somebody who can like really see what's going on and know all the resources that are available. You might only know that there's stuff at Home Depot to do your master bathroom, but there is a whole world out there of incredible products. And, and it's your designer's job to know what's out there and to understand who you are and then combine those two elements and make the most beautiful outcome within your budget. And I will say this too, we've, Corey, we've all talked about this. Even if you have a budget, you know, on your kid's bathroom, you don't want to go above this amount. You can still go to another store that's not Home Depot and find something that's way more exciting than what you would have found at the shelves of Home Depot Yeah, that will feel more like you. So, Mm -hmm. so just get curious. That's so good. Yeah. You have to think like Home Depot stocks things for like, the masses. So they just, they don't go wide. They go super deep. It's agreeable. Yeah. It's pedestrian. Yeah. So if you want your house to feel like you, it's that's, 
you know, the big box stores are not the places to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to like search out and th- there are like Susan saying that there are places you just have to like dig a little bit deeper. Yeah. I get curious. Yeah. yeah. There's no better time than right now with Pinterest and all the different like tabs to shop. Like you can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get curious. Totally. Um, one thing that is also really fun that we've noticed over the last 12 years, it's that when you buy something that's really great, you're always going to love it. If it's truly, truly great. And one of the funnest things, um, you know, I've been collecting pieces since we opened the store 12 years ago and, and we moved into a home that we rented for about six years before we built the home that we're in now. And, um, that collection of stuff that I had been buying to furnish this rental home, um, with these new resources that I had through Alice Lane and everything, when we moved into the new home, it was so fun. It was like putting together this new puzzle piece with all these great things. And so um, when you buy things that are truly you, I just wanted to say you're always going to love it. Yeah. It's worth the investment and you can take it with you wherever you go. And it's just going to be, I don't know, it's, it's like telling your story. It's really great. Some people don't think it's worth investing in or oh, what if I get tired of it? It's, it's like the number one question we get on Q&A. What am I going to, what can I do for this area that I'm never going to get sick of, you know, because <laughs> yeah. they don't want to ever it to go out of style or whatever. But when you really buy things that are fantastic and that are truly you, it's, you're never going to get sick of it. So it's kind of the Marie Kondo thing. If it doesn't bring you joy, then it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. Obviously we just moved into a home that we're remodeling and everything's down in the basement or was down in the basement. And I've just slowly like brought things one by one because I've shopped my own collection to be like, yeah, I'm still in love with you. I want you on my walls. But there's still like a great deal of things in the basement that, I haven't put up yet. And anyway, but it's, it's a good little soul search to just like look around you and say, this has meaning because of this, this brings me back to this time because, you know, so really be thoughtful about it. It's your space. Like just said, they are powerful. Environments are powerful. It's like when you go into a, a place that just makes your jaw drop and you're just like, why do I feel this way? Yeah. You know, your home should feel that way. Totally. You should be so jazzed to go to your home after a vacation mm-hmm. and miss your bed and miss your space because that is the best place on the and earth. And like miss your smell. Yeah. And feel it your sheets. Yeah. And your your luscious towels and the way that the water comes out of your shower head. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know it's those luxuries, those little luxuries. Yeah. So. That's all so good. But we've learned that over the years as we've curated the store, as we've curated our own homes and so so I think that's definitely part of this 12 year like celebration is just like understanding what we love. I think being in a rental right now while I'm like building a house, I'm like totally sold on that point right there because it does not feel like home to me. Yeah. The house I'm renting, the guy is house sitting for someone else. So I'm renting in place of that. So it has a lot of his furniture, a lot of his stuff on the walls, which is strange. Like it just, I don't feel like a constant Airbnb feeling. Yeah, exactly. And it's, we cannot wait like to just be in our space, Mm -hmm. our stuff, like our vibe. And, And that that's the, it's the energy of what the house is right now. That just doesn't feel comforting. And I think that's what moves the needle in, in energy is making it yours. Mm-hmm. You know, we could, we could tear everything out of this house that we're in right now, all of that guy's stuff and put our stuff in and make it ours, but it just doesn't, A, we don't have the availability to do that. Mm-hmm. B, it's just the timing doesn't yeah. make sense. Um, but yeah, there's like truly something to be said about making your house yours. And it's 
we, we know when we get into our house we're building right now, we're going to love it even more because we've just been living. You haven't had it. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Design's a powerful thing uh, for the human spirit and for our energy and, um, giving you a place, you know, it's just like, I can't express how important that that is, that I didn't know how important it was at year one after doing this for so long and having people start to come back and they're just like, it's the most powerful thing and most important thing that we can do for our family is to create a home, you know, a safe place that feels like us, that reflects our values and who we are as humans and how we celebrate and how we cook and do you know what I mean? Like all of those things, like interview, interview the mom, let the mom ask the sister and the grandma, like, what's your best practice for this? Or uh, there's just like certain things that you can do and, and build into the process of the kitchen or the best pantry ever created. And it often comes from, from doing that thing a lot, you know, because, um, the homes that we get to build today are, are dream homes. And so they've usually lived in a couple homes before. It's not always their first home. And they have best practices in place. They know how they like to wrap a gift and, you know, how many thank you notes they want on hand or party invitations or there's processes to all these little things. And we can design for that, you know, the more that we can get the client to open up. One interesting thing is when we've worked with clients that we've already worked with, there's things that like obviously they bought that were taken into the new home that they still love. Mm -hmm. Part of that collection, right? We call it the capsule collection of things that you absolutely love. But we worked with people often when we're starting to work with a client and they're building a new home. We asked them, do you have anything from your previous home you want us to catalog and make sure we include? And majority of the time they say, no, we want to start all over. Mm-hmm. And in my heart, like I kind of sink a little bit because I'm like, dang it. <laughs> they're leaving all, they've obviously invested in in pieces, but none of them, it's important enough. You know, there's no memory tied to it, you know, yeah. to bring it to this new house. So Amy, it's just, it's an interesting journey. So just love what you buy. We'll see it over and over again. Yeah, that's so good. Um, another thing that we've learned in the last 12 years, and I would say this goes for anywhere, but and particularly in design I'll talk about is we let people do what they're best at. People don't have to wear a million different hats at Alice Lane anymore, which is a complete luxury. Um, if we hire somebody to be a designer, they're going to design. They're not going to design and purchase and file claims. And, um, you know, like there's a million things that go into interior design. We've said it before. It's, it's harder than the president of the United States of America, this job. (laughs) Yeah. There's, you have to, like, you really do have to have like 10 heads and, and they all have to be pretty sensitive, you know, and we have to be pushing different people through all of our filters to understand like what they want and then how to get them what they want. And so we've got people that are left brained. We've got people that are right brained. And if we hire people that are just really, really good at project management, then they can manage the project. So the designer can design and do her superpower. So having people do their superpower in their seats makes for a happier environment and makes the, the tide rise high again, because then you're not having a designer do math. <laughs> you're just letting her, you're just like letting her sketch and draw and create. And then we can have, you know, the trades or whomever we hire to um, come in and know the best practices for that. And I think staying open and being humble and being teachable allows us to create things that we haven't dreamt of before by sitting down with the subs and the trades and just communicating. And so not being afraid of people and not being afraid of greatness. 
and not we're it's okay if we don't have all the answers either that we're willing to do the time to just sit with the people that are going to be creating this so that together greatness can rise again so being humble i think takes you um a long ways yeah yeah it's good Um, another thing that we've learned is that we get clients who this is true for every designer i would say or any of you that aren't designers that clients who are insecure and we give them that we give them the confidence to live a designed life. In the beginning, we'll go into their house and they'll make excuses or they're nervous to have us. Don't look at that. I'm so I'm so sorry about that. And I like this. I tried to do this one thing and I've redes- I tried to do it on my own. It's bad. Don't yeah, look. yeah. And they like seriously, and they're well put together people, successful people, uh-huh. and they're embarrassed about their spaces. Which again, environments are are strong, and it's your environment's telling you something about you. Mm-hmm. You know, so whether that makes you insecure or secure is how you live in that space. I think, I think as an outsider, I can speak to this, um, is because that's showing how much they value your guys's talents because I've felt that too. Um, just being completely honest, just being like, man, like I know like the talents that you guys have and it's like. You got, they would, they wouldn't go for this. It's, it's not okay. I know this isn't okay. I'm breaking rules over here. <laughs> so what would um, Jesse do? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, and I think recording this podcast kind of reflecting back to last year, I've, I have learned so much and there are so many times I'm like going through stuff and designing, uh, like our new house and I'm just like, nope. Justin suit. Yep. This would not be cool. <laughs> Episode 33. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, um, that's super cool. And I, yeah, I think that's a testament to how talented you guys are. And, uh, like the awesome, like energy you guys put out is it kind of like people are like aware of it. So, well, thank you. To you guys. Yeah. That's sweet. Well, and hopefully we don't make it too intimidating either. And um, we're trying to, you know, have a platform to share information and dimensions and the why behind so much of this, because there's a lot, you know, and then, and then you break the rules too, which is sometimes really great too. So um, anyway, design is a really, really deep ocean and um, we're doing our best to break it down for you on each of these podcasts, but um, it's really cool to um, get to be in this position and know what we know and get to help and share mm-hmm. like so with so many people. And the more they share with us, like the greater designer we get to be because yeah. their lives are just all so super unique. Fascinating. Yeah. People are fascinating. Different cultures and, um, you know, belief systems. And yeah, it's really cool when we get called to do Gosh, we've done a couple of these now, um, like kosher kitchens for um, the Jewish faith in New York City, mm-hmm. you know? So they have separate kitchens and we're like, oh my gosh, how cool we get to do like special pantries for them. And there's all different ways that we get to, to design a prayer room for a Sikh family. Like there's like, how neat is that? Yeah, And how many kitchens, so how many kitchens does the they Sikh family have? They have their kitchen, but then they have an aromatic kitchen and a large pantry because of just the way they cook and the way it needs to be vented with the spices that they use. And mm. it's just, it's fascinating. It is fascinating. Yeah. And I'm sure there's things that after we finish that project, there will be a lot of, you know, common sense that comes with, you know, the pantries and the vents. And we learn from that and we get to carry that in our bags to the next project. And yeah, it's really, really cool. Um, the wider and the deeper um types of people and cultures we get to work with, the better we get to design. So it's just a total dream come true. Yeah. 
And I would say just as listeners, um, obviously we work with a lot of high-end homes and things, but the, uh, these principles and things, they can be applied to anybody. They really can. You can be curious about you. You can be curious about where you shop um, and what you select. You can just be more intentional about it. And I think that that's the power of design. It, it can be, it really can affect any price point, any household, um, and it should. And so I hope that it's more far reaching than just a certain demographic. Yeah. And you don't have to be insecure. Um, I think you can be vulnerable as you talk to different trades about what you're trying to create and be humble, but you don't need to be insecure about it um, because everybody um, is trying to create something beautiful that comes to them and they know the answers. And so just by saying, Hey, Oh, you know, like I want to live a beautiful life and I've got this idea. And what do you think? How do you think we could assemble this? I want to do this incredible, you know, floor pattern tile, tile setter. What do you, what tools and stuff, is this possible? And you know, the more that you sit and talk to people, the more ideas that you come and it's, it's really fun. You don't have to phone things in. You can sit and think about how it's made and make your own unique design, which is really, really cool. Um, and then the last point we have is just that people need permission to be and live their best lives um, and, and their best selves. And with that note, um, I guess, Sue, what do you think about, what do you think about that when we say that we give them permission? It's like we need to release them from the way that they've been doing it so that they know, um, so that they dare to do the thing that's going to make them like truly uniquely happy. Yeah. It's, I love this point. Um, back to that one, we talked about that client that's returned to us and she wanted to start, she was a single gown. We did the second home for her. And I remember when we, um, cause when we, when we pitch a design to somebody, we've thought about how different zones of their life to live and like, and here's, you know, this is where you'll get dressed and you'll, you'll, you know, you'll actually take your shower here. This is how this zone works. And then you'll go into your bedroom and here's this like last point before you go out the door to work or to a party or whatever. And this is your floor mirror and this is where you can like hang your jewelry. And this is the table that you're going to have, you know, just all your tchotchkes in your purse. And then this is where your shoes will go. And, and then you'll have your scent, your signature scent will be in the air and, and all these things just like, again, go back to, to the person that lives there. Right. Yeah. Um, but I remember what, like one of the first times we went back to the house after it was installed and she had done all those things, her shoes were sitting exactly in that spot that she was going to be wearing that night. She had a necklace draped on the mirror, just like the way we, sh and I'm just like, I had no idea because we're dreaming up all these things, you know, like for this person. But it was like one of the first times I saw it 100% implemented this lifestyle that to be honest, when we first met with this client in that first house, the only thing she owned, she was very successful, you know, but she was just so busy, like with her head on the ground doing what she was great at yeah. in the engineering world that all she had were some ghost chairs, which are beautiful. And I was so glad that she had only invested in that one great thing. Mm -hmm. Like she didn't have a bunch of riffraff, you know, that was kind of diluting her style. Yeah. She's like, this is all I have, you know, and it was empty. There was nothing in the house, but that gave us an insight of like what she appreciated mm -hmm. and just the clean and edited look of it. And, and then she brought up a PowerPoint with just spaces that made her feel good. You know, and they were just all ethereal because she is an engineer and she deals with exactness and strictness and men all day that she just wanted to go home and just have a complete retreat with all soft edges. And so I've never had a client give us a PowerPoint before, yeah, which was a new thing, but it was so telling. So even if that's all you do for your designer, it's just put a bunch of like either spaces 
or landscapes or whatever is like making a tick. That was so telling of the lifestyle that she wanted that she needed permission to live, mm-hmm. you know, and she needed to be told, given a playbook of how to live that lifestyle style and be given permission to do that. So anyway, I think that that's, I think probably the best example that yeah. I can think yeah, of. Yeah, I think of that's just perfect. Giving somebody permission to live their very best lives. Yeah. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. Yeah, totally. Oh, thanks so much for listening today, you guys. This has been really fun to reflect on. I think we could probably do like six podcasts of like all the lessons learned over 12, six. We could probably do 12 podcasts, but um, thank you for listening in. It's, um, it's just such a treat and um, so humbling to get to do this for a decade. Well, for 12 years now, a dozen years and we're learning so much from all of you. So thank you for listening. Uh, send your questions in again to dear Alice at alicelanehome.com. And we will do a podcast on your topic. We'll see you next time. Hey, thanks for listening. If you like our show, please leave a five-star rating. 